Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for busy parents building profitable businesses. If we haven't met yet, I'm Meg Brunson, and we are about to simplify business and marketing strategies because balance was never about spending equal time between your business and your family. Nope, you want to spend previously unimagined amounts of time making memories with your kids. And the only way that's going to happen is if we get your marketing under control. I want to take a minute to acknowledge that Black Lives Matter, that love is love, and that inclusivity is essential for success. So I welcome all colors, genders, and cultures to join us for today's episode. Most of what we see and learn about personal finance are a series of quantifiable do's and don'ts. Many financial plans are just elaborate spreadsheets projecting different scenarios in the future. These are helpful tools that often fall short of acknowledging life is often messier than the neat cells of an Excel worksheet. Today, we're talking with Jennifer Sapel to help break down the rules and instead make money a tool that is as unique as each person's fingerprint, guiding them to their unique goals and dreams. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait to dive into this topic with you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm super happy to be here. Well, I want to start really basic. I am not an investor myself. Um, We don't talk a lot about investing yet in this group. Um, So I don't really know where everybody else is on that, like, that scheme of things. Um, Can you start by telling us a little bit about how you even get started investing, it seems to me like it would be overwhelming and scary. So if you could break some of that down, I think that'd be a great place to start. Yay. I love starting there. And the words you used, Meg, I hear all the time. I hear overwhelmed and scary over and over and over again. So you are not alone uh, in feeling that way. Last week, I think, I think it was last week, I heard somebody say, the market is scary. Like, you know, I'm pretty good at saving money is what she said. I'm pretty good at at keeping money in the bank, but the market scares me. And what I told her and what I want you to know, what I want all women to know, or all people to know is if you can parent, you can invest. Parenting is so much harder than investing. Um, And I think- Barrier. Parent, well, we can talk about like specific ways why parenting is is similar to investing. But the point is, if you have the skills to be a parent, you already have the skills to be an amazing investor. Um, And so let's just start with that, like the comment that she made last week, the market is scary. If you are feeling like the, the stock market is a scary thing, I would invite you to think about it like any other market. So do you... Uh, you know, a market is purely a place where people come together to buy things and to sell things, right? So if you've ever been to a farmer's market, you've been to a market. 
if you've ever bought something on Etsy, you've been to a market. So you probably are pretty good at navigating a market, right? The market itself doesn't have to be scary. The only thing that's unique about the stock market is that it's buying and selling shares of companies. Uh, And that part, if you have no experience with it, of course, it's going to feel a little bit scary. The first time you logged into Etsy, you might have been a little bit overwhelmed, right? Like, holy crap, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of filters, right? I, I've bought things on Etsy that my husband looks at me and goes, why the heck did you buy that? Right. Uh, the latest was a chart for my kiddo on like a sleep chart. Like, Hey, every time you stay in bed, you get a sticker for the next morning. And he was like, you paid $3 to download a piece of paper. He thought I was crazy. (laughs) But my point there is that something that I found value in and I bought and I paid money for somebody else didn't, right? He did not see the same value in it. And he was like, I think you're crazy to spend that amount of money. Same goes for the stock market. There's, there are investors out there that will buy shares in a company. And there's other investors out there who think you're crazy for buying shares in that company. So I think we get caught up in thinking that there's a right and a wrong answer or feeling like we're going to do something that's good or bad. Um, and the reality is even with money, even with something that's measurable, like money, all of it is subjective. All of it is, is up to somebody else up to the market to decide what is that worth? Um, so I would just, I would invite everybody to like, to just look at the stock market. If, if, if the ticker symbols on like CNBC and all the, all, all of the, um, talking heads, talking about investing. If they showed like little Etsy sticker stickers next to the company name, I'm like, this is what they sell, right? We might be a little bit more inclined to pay attention and be like, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, good company. I like that. Or like that product, or I want to invest in that. I want to buy into that um, company. So I'll pause there. Does that make sense to you, Meg? It does. And I think the biggest difference is that when you're shopping on Etsy or the farmer's market, you're buying a tangible thing. So I'm giving money and then I'm getting a thing. And with investing, there's no thing that you really get. It's, it's, I don't know what the opposite of tangible is. Do you know what (laughs) I mean? Like, yeah, but there's not that tangible thing. Yes. Yep. You're absolutely right. And that is, uh, that's the hard part uh, about money in general, right? Like all of our financial tools, you know, they started out as coins and then they turned to paper and then they turned into a check Uh, And now it's a credit card, right? And if you think cryptocurrency will be the currency, it's all kind of morphing into this uh, this other thing. So all financial tools are, like you say, kind of an intangible um, product or Mm -hmm. idea. Um, So there is a little bit of faith that comes in, right? Money itself, the stock market itself, all of those things have tangible value because we've decided collectively as people that they have value. Um, and so we trade, we trade, we buy and sell on that value. Making it, so one of your questions was, how do you start? Um, I think like Etsy or like revamping your RV or, you know, like any other project you take on, you can dig in and do it yourself. Right. And those people are like watching YouTube videos and they're reading all the books and they're checking out blogs. Right. And they're like, I'm going to tackle this myself. Right. And so you can be a DIYer. 
you can be a hybrid, right? So you can be the person that some of it I want to do myself, but some of it I really just want somebody else to do or want to kind of outsource it. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just hire a professional. So whatever your personality type is, you're like, no, I'm going to figure this out myself. If you want to DIY in investing, there's courses you can buy. There's books you can read. You can decide to make those buy, those buy and sell decisions yourself. That middle category, there's lots of apps out there like Betterment and Stash um, and Elvest that they're kind of a in-between, right? You're, it's going to be an online interface. They're going to ask you a series of questions and then they're going to kind of guide you, right? Not like super personal based on your situation, but based on the interface online, guide you into the right investments. Um, or you could hire an investment advisor or a financial advisor. That's part of services that I offer where somebody is like literally going to ask you every question, get to know you, hold your hand. Um, and then depending on what, what person you work with, provide you the guidance and the education along the way. If you have less than half a million dollars to invest, a mutual fund or an ETF is how you invest. And a mutual fund or an ETF, ETF stands for exchange traded fund. Both of them are just pools of money, you and me and thousands of other people putting our money into the pot together so that we can buy enough stocks of enough different companies that we've got diversification. And diversification is the only, it's it's the rule of investing, like location, location, location is the rule of real estate. I, I feel like I kind of like wandered around on that walk there. So <laughs> let me pause. Yes. Well, I'd like the, my next question, which you just touched on, um, had to do with money, right? So like I've made the decision that I want to invest. I know that doing it yourself, there may be costs, you know, with courses and learning. And obviously, if you're hiring a professional, there's costs associated with that. But if we take all of that away, and we're just talking about the actual investment, what is that, um, that like breaking point? Like, at what point do you have enough money to invest? Oh, great question. Yeah, great question. So um, you're ready to invest. You know, I hear, especially women, I hear a lot of times saying I have too much money sitting in a bank account, Um, especially for entrepreneurs. I would say like, that's relative. Too much money is relative. I like at a very minimum, you've got to have at least four months of income, not expenses uh, in a bank account, in a savings account that's going to stay in the savings account. So we don't invest until you have at least that much uh, for us business owners that have big fluctuations in our income. I prefer nine to 12 months of income in savings. And I call that both your oops, right? Your um, emergency and your opportunity fund. Cause especially us as entrepreneurs, you know, if there's like a really cool shop that we, you know, that goes up for sale unexpectedly, um, you're like, Hey, I might need a third or fourth business. (laughs) (laughs) So when you've got, when you've got some kind of savings in the bank, um, then you can invest. So that's kind of your first threshold for investing. You can invest as little as $10 a month. So you could get started with investing for as little as $10 a month. So some of those like online kind of hybrid options Mm -hmm. that I just mentioned, um, a $10 a month transfer, a $10, $10 a week transfer, something like that. That's a great way to get started. Um, if, 
if you wanted to invest in a more traditional route, so you wanted to buy into um, a Vanguard mutual fund, uh, as an example, a lot of times the minimum on that is $2,500 or $3,000. So that's kind of the threshold to get started. Um, And then working with a financial advisor, all of us um, generally have account minimums. Um, I can work with people as low as $10,000. A lot of financial advisors don't start working with people until they have $100,000 or $250,000 to invest. Was that answering your question, Meg? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great because everybody listening could kind of get a feel for where they fall on that range and Mm -hmm. then what what options might be best for them or if they're not ready yet. You know, yeah. they don't have that savings built up. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like there's probably still people who invest before they have that savings, like invest before they're ready. Mm-hmm. But that is just what we would encourage you. It's, I mean, and I think we've all learned that, right? Over the past year that you just don't know what to expect. So having Life that little yeah. cushion yep. is going to be hugely beneficial. Yeah. And, and um, you know, for people like me who have been, participating in or advising people around market cycles. Um, the, the reason why having a savings account is so important is that if you start investing, if you put all your savings into investments, if there's a, if there is when the pandemic started in March, right, the market took a, took a big hit. Um, so what you don't want is you need the money 2008 for those of us who are old enough um, when the financial crisis hit or the mortgage crisis hit, a lot of people lost their jobs, so they lost their income, their 401ks were cut in half, and their home values dropped pretty significantly all at the same time. But those are amazing times to have cash. People who had cash on hand during, the, during that time uh, took advantage of huge opportunities in you know, buying real estate at a big discount, investing in the market at a big discount. So don't think of your cash you know, like everything is a spectrum. Like, oh, it's, you know, sitting there doing nothing for me. You're not working. Um, it is your pounce on an opportunity fund when those opportunities come up. Awesome. And it's balanced, right? You're just yes. finding the right balance between the two assets. Exactly. Yeah. Now you focus on in ESG, right? So you, you the ESG yeah. landscape, which stands for environmental, social, and governance. Mm-hmm. Can you break down what the heck that means? (laughs) Yeah. So if you're like me and at some point you've looked at all the shampoo bottles in your shower and you thought like, I really need to use less shampoo or do something where I'm not buying all of this plastic, right? Because I care about what happens to this planet for my children, uh, right? And then you picture all the like plastic bottles floating in the ocean. Um, If you are worried about the environment, If um, social governance, if you were interested in hearing how companies handled the pandemic, right? Were there companies that, you know, weren't providing any kind of time off? They weren't giving any of their employees protective equipment, right? Those are are social issues. Um, And then governance, if you care about how companies make policies and decisions and if they care about whether or not there's diversity on their board of directors um, those types of issues in the investment world all of that kind of stuff's been around for decades Um, and it's really come to it's really come to the forefront just in the last couple years of investing it's 
like one in every three or one in every $4 being invested today is being invested in a, an ESG strategy. Um, and there's a couple different ways you can do it. So there are, there are four ways that whether you're buying companies or you're buying into mutual funds, there's kind of four ways that they can apply those ESG principles to the investments. Um, the first one is by exclusion. So if you, um, if you are a believer that uh, we shouldn't have guns available to anybody, right, then you might exclude all gun manufacturers and gun retailers from your investment portfolio, right? Questions about that? That one's pretty, that's like the, yeah. that's, that's kind of the base level, right? We just, I'm just not going to buy any company that participates in something that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Um, the next level up is what I call integrated. So when you're buying and selling um, stocks and bonds, or if you're investing in a mutual fund that's doing that for you, um, whoever is making those decisions is looking at the financial. I'm visual, so I'm you know working with my hands, right? I'm, I'm picturing financial documents, right? They're reviewing the financial documents of the company and saying, is this company financially sound? An integrated ESG strategy is looking at those financials and then alongside the financials, they're looking at how are you handling ESG issues? Are you addressing board diversity? Are you addressing climate change? Are you addressing um, social policies that care about income equality uh, based on gender or race or any, any other parts of diversity that come with being a beautiful human being? So integrated uh, is the second way to do it. And that's probably the like least definable way to invest um, in ESG strategies. It's kind of the like, well, they're reporting on some of these things and they kind of care about some of these things like they care about financials, right? But we don't really know like how much progress is being made there. Um, The third is my favorite. The third is an advocacy approach. In an advocacy approach, Um, you know, Calvert funds is one of the mutual fund families that I use uh, in a lot of my portfolios as an example, Calvert funds, any fund that they invest in any company that they invest in, they have like a 22 page document that outlines, this is what we expect for board governance. So there has to be diversity on race and gender. There has to be independence. So if they're going to vote on a new board of directors, um, if, if at least a certain percentage of their board is an independent, right, meaning doesn't benefit directly from what's happening inside of the company, um, right, then they vote against it. Um, they have written policies around their, their social requirements, written policies around their environmental um, requirements. And so what they do is they'll buy these companies. For example, they had Walmart in their portfolio. And after the Walmart shooting in Texas, I think it was 2017, the CEO of Calvert called the CEO of Walmart and said, you need to make changes. We will divest all of our, all of our holdings in your company if you don't make policy changes, because this is, this has reached a point of unacceptable. So that's advocacy. Um, and then the final way to invest with ESG strategies is impact investing. Impact investing is 
buying into companies that are um, they're like that the company mission is to make changes in those ESG arenas. For example, you can buy a mutual fund that is invested in 26 companies that all those 26 companies do, bless you, all those 26 companies do are help create clean water um, and sustainable water strategies. So they are identifying leaks. They are identifying um, uh, ways to desalinate. They're identifying ways to use less water, right? So the whole purpose of all of these companies is to just solve our impending water problem. Okay. So those are the four ways. Go ahead. Yep. And I'm just processing. So let me, let me ask a clarification question. Yeah. Um, And maybe you can help clear. So those are the four ways that you can do that. So basically if I wanted to, I love, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. (laughs) I love this discussion because for me and for a lot of my, my audience, my community, my listeners, we want to make a difference and we know that we can make a difference in the people that we work with in the companies that we support in the products that we purchase. And I love that you're bringing this like perspective that we can also make a difference in how we choose to invest. Mm -hmm. Um, So with those four types, if I've made the decision that I want to invest and I've got X amount of dollars to do so, how, how do I make that decision like, where do I go from there? If I said, I really like the advocacy way, or I really, um, can you combine them? Could you be like the advocacy way, but I also yes. don't want anything with guns. And I'm just yes. using guns. Cause you said guns, we could use anything in there. I'm sure. Um, but can you yeah. combine them? And then how do you actually navigate? Like now I feel like I'm going back into that overwhelm space. Like you got there. me out of it the first time there. And now I'm going back there again. Okay. I love it. So don't be overwhelmed. First, like the biggest mistake you can make with investing is just not doing it. So first, find the path of of investing like we like we started with, right? Decide, are you a DIYer? Are you going to do something in the middle? Or are you going to hire a pro? So first do that. That's kind of your first barrier to entry. Any of those paths you choose are going to have ESG options. You're going to see the that acronym everywhere. It's all over the place. So in that middle that middle ground, for example, if you invest with, if you invest with LVEST or if you invest with Betterment, um, they're going to, they're going to say, do you want ESG options? And they're going to use the acronym ESG. So, so when you use them, you can just check the box. Um, if you, if you are the DIYer and you use Vanguard as an example, you can just search by ESG. Um, so the four ways that the four ways that I mention are just giving you another layer of knowledge of, okay, so if you are curious more, right, there's some of us who like, okay, I just want to buy less plastic. There's some of us who are like, I will not buy from any of these companies because I know what they're doing right with the ocean. Mm -hmm. Right. So our level of, of commitment and attention to, right? Whatever our cause is, um, also is on the spectrum, right? So it could be as easy as checking an ESG box, or it can be as deep as I'm going to use all four of those strategies. I want as much as I can in advocacy and impact. Um, but I definitely want to screen out, right? One, two, or the, or three of these screens, um, and how deep you can get into those four strategies really like all things with investing is going to come down to, um, at what level, right, are you investing and how many options are, you know, within that level? Awesome. 
that helped. That was great. That's all I needed. It was just a little like, <laughs> bring it back, yeah. put it, put I it think, in. I think if you just check the box with ESG, even if it's not quite like as, as dedicated as you would prefer it to be, I want to just give you a little, a little extra support in that because I think for every dollar you and I invest in a strategy that even has the acronym next to it, even if it is greenwashing, right? If we put our dollar next to something with that acronym next to it, we're signaling to all companies, we are paying attention to this uh, and we care about this and we'll get more and more detailed, right? The more money we have and the more time we have and all of that kind of stuff. But I want to put my hand up and I want everybody to know this is important to me. I love that. And I think it, it, it mirrors or it parallels so many other things where you kind of just have to start and like, yes, it's your money. And no, I don't think you should invest willy nilly, but you make a, a decent effort to educate yourself and to make the best decision. And then you have to pull the trigger and you've got to invest. You've got to pull the trigger. You got to do it. And as you get going, that's when you really fine tune it. And it may take a little bit of time before you actually have like honed in on that exact path you want to be on, but you start like yes. you have to start. Yes. Yes. I, okay. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I'll add, um, you know, I, the way that I talk about money and especially again with women is that we, I hear so often, like we're bad, like I'm bad at money. I'm bad at this and bad, I'm bad at investing um, and like none of that is true. Right. When I watch my three-year-old brush his teeth, I'm like, Oh, that's really awkward. He's not really getting every tooth, <laughs> but by the time he's 10 and he's done it over and over and over again, he's going to get better and better and better at it to a point where he's like me. He doesn't even think twice about it. And he brushes his teeth. Well, when it comes to finances, if they're not skills that we're using, we feel like, you know, it's awkward and we feel like we're not very good at it. So it's not that you're not good at it. You're not practiced. And to get practice, you have to start somewhere. Um, so I talk about uh, five skills, you know, earning money is a skill in and of itself, saving money, investing money, giving money and spending money. And a lot of times with these ESG strategies, we focus just on the spend or we focus on the give, right? We're re really specific about where we're donating, um, but we just talked about how you can also do it with investing as well. Um, and I think let's not underestimate even the money we have on deposit at the bank. Our bank is using that money for something. It could be using that money to loan capital, loan the funds, loan your funds to giant oil companies. Like maybe that's okay with you. Maybe it's not. So if you're curious, even with what you have on deposit with your savings account, um, how your bank is using your money, you can go to mightydeposits.com. And if you want to invest in Black communities or Black-owned banks or women-owned banks or just see how much of the money is the bank loaning to small business owners, like your audience, like you and I on this call, mm -hmm. versus how much are they loaning to you know the giant uh, corporations of the world. Um, you can look at that and where we bank can also make a difference. I never thought about that. $15 trillion on deposit roughly. So That's if crazy. all of us cared about where we bank, I mean, even if, even if 10% of us cared about where we banked, yeah. 
um, we, we could move billions of dollars into banks that are using the money for causes that we're more aligned with. Hmm. That is super interesting. And I thank you for bringing that up because I feel like that isn't even, it's only slightly related, but it just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a, I, that's the thing about money for me is that it's like, it's such, um, you know, I, I like to keep money in its place, right? We should worry about it the right amount of worrying about it, right? Like we should take care of it, but not obsess over it. But it's just, it has such an interesting seat in our society because it touches so many things, right? And it has the opportunity to do so many things. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing for me too. <laughs> well, I love it. I would love if you could drop some links for us. Let Where can people connect with you to learn more about investing in that ESG landscape and asking questions and navigating that process? Yes. So I'm Jen Sapel. You can find me at utorwealth.com. That's U-T-O-R. Uh, and then wealth like money, W-E-A-L-T-H. Uh, we offer two main services. One is comprehensive financial planning. So if you like want to know how all these areas of your life line up and are aligned to your values, um, that's one service we offer. We also offer investment management. Uh, and most of our portfolios are in impact portfolios, but depends on the client. Um, okay. And then, and then other links that I love, I love mightydeposits.com. So check out mightydeposits.com. The two founders of that, of that um, company are amazing. I adore them. You should have them on your podcast. Um, they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, another one I like is asyouso.org. So asyouso.org is a nonprofit that is offering transparency to all people around how are you invested and how is that aligned with your values? So they've got a drop down. They have a tag uh, or a menu that says invest in your values. And so you could search, like if you own mutual funds right now, you could type in your mutual fund and it will tell you, you know, how invested in for-profit prisons is your mutual fund? How invested is it in fossil fuels? How invested is it in um, gender equity and diversity? Like how does, how does it rate in those things? They have their own criteria, but they've been around for a while and they're very, uh, transparent about how they kind of rank and rate things. Uh, and it's just a fun site to, to play around with. I love that. Thank you so much. We will put all of those links in the show notes. So if you are trying to figure out how to spell something or can't remember what the word was, just go ahead to the show notes and they will all be in there. And I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. Um, this has been very informative for me. I hope that it's helped other people. And I just love how we can bring our values into this aspect of, of money management and investments. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of familypreneur. You'll find all the links mentioned and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'll see you over in the familypreneur community. Bye for now.